and welcome to the Everyday Board Game Podcast with your hosts, Daniel. And Daniel. Daniel, good evening. How's it going? We're actually keeping to a pretty tight schedule lately. I'm, I'm proud of us. And you, just, you jinxed us. We're and ready. now I've jinxed us. No, <laughs> we have one more week to film before I take a break off. So we might film a couple episodes in ahead of time. But yeah. Today's not one of those days. We have an action-packed episode. We have a lot that we're going to be talking about. Uh, this this list just gets me excited. I know it gets you excited, and that's because we're doing our annual anticipated games list. Normally, we uh, do this till after Gamma's done, because that's usually right. when shops can see what games are coming out, what they can get available. Right. Uh, however, they moved Gamma a month away, so it's in April now. So right, late April. Late even. April. So we're recording this in April, but. That's because usually by now we just gotten back from Gamma. Right, exactly. So we would have had all like the the impressive press, all the new details, and there's probably going to be still some, and we'll bring yeah. those up in a future episode. Like, because but... I mean, we were there last year, and mm-hmm. we saw the fact that they were doing the meta unlocked games, where you yes. have the, the not the Catan, the uh, Ticket to Ride, the yep. uh, Pandemic, Pandemic, and uh, Colt Express. No, it wouldn't be Colt Express. Ticket to Ride, Pandemic, and something else. Other than the oh, other. Mysterium. Mysterium, yeah. Mysterium, yes. Still haven't played them yet. I'm kind of sad about that. I mean, still haven't played my Star Wars one. I want to, but I haven't yet. Yeah. I would offer to play it with you, but I own one, a copy of it. So I'm <laughs> so like, I make one of ours useless. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind of pointless at that point. But no, we. so we were scouring the internet. We found a lot of upcoming games. I've been keeping track of this list probably the past two months now. Same. And some of them I took off, some I added back on. Some I completely changed for other games that got replaced. Um, and we're going to be talking about those. Now, full disclosure on this list. First off, we have not played, nor do we know much about these games. We're yeah. going by, we want to talk about our initial impressions, why we think that they're going to be... Why cool. we have it on the list. Yep. I actually wrote uh, some of the reasons why I have it on the list. Right, exactly. And my initial list, I think, had 28 games. Mine, my short list had 17. Yeah, so... and I have 11 extra. Don't worry, we're not going to get you <laughs> through all of this. Yeah. Like, we, we see that, we're going to do our top eight, but we will talk about a little bit of, uh, you know, honorable mentions and why they fell off the list or whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, some of these games may already be uh, out, already be released, and they're just either not available in America, or we haven't received them, or... Just whatever reason, it's just something that we're looking for. Every to. single one of the games that are on my list are either on pre-order or some of them are waiting on Kickstarters. I, and then one yeah. of them, or two of them that I know for sure won't release till closer to Gen Con. Right. I think all of the one there is one on my list that is currently out. How's it going, um, Illuminous? And so, yeah, Santorini Deluxe, that does look cool. I was watching the video for the uh, Pharaoh, um, Pegasus Curse, or, or no, the... The solo campaign. Whatever oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. The puzzles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Riddle of the Sphinx? I think it's that. No, wait. Not Santa no. because it's Greek. Well, I know, but it was still like... It was something to that effect. Sphinx, uh, yeah. No, it, Riddle of the Pegasus. Riddle of the Pegasus. That's what it was. I think. I don't remember. Illuminous has riddle. Sphinx. He's, he's happy for it, so he should know. All right. That's, that's true. And I thought about putting that on my list, but for some reason, turning an abstract strategy game into a puzzle... It just seemed odd to me, but I mean, I mean, there was a. In fact, there is two more games that I could add to this list. When I said a seventeen, it could be nineteen because I just found out about two of them today when I was sending them to the group chat. So yeah, actually, there's three of them, but one of them is just a re uh, done. Yeah, a redo. Um, Yeah, Roxley games. Roxley's are really nice stuff. stuff. Yeah, I know. I just recently played Radlands, and it's 
Roxy, know, Roxy knows their stuff. Yeah. Um, with the exception, I think they printed one game that I was really not a fan of, but I forget which one it was. Oh, Roxley? Yeah. Yeah, they, it, and, you know, not every, every Roxley company. game I've played, I've enjoyed. Right. Exactly. Uh, that's what, basically what happened going from Ket to Laser Maze, same designer. I didn't realize Ket and Laser Maze were the, well, well, actually, yeah, they're pretty similar. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Plastic cards. Yeah, I don't mind it. Cool. So, we're going to talk about our most anticipated games of the mm-hmm. list, but first, Daniel, what have you been playing? Alright, the first game I want to talk about that I played is actually new to me. It was a Christmas gift this past Christmas from some friends of ours, mine and my wife, and we decided to take it over and play with them. And we've taken it from time to time, but we hadn't played it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we finally decided to bust it out, because it's a, it's a quick game, it's a real-time game. One of my wife's favorite hobbies is baking. And uh, our, our our couple friend, her husband is also really big into baking, and we all like a baking show called The Great British British Bake Off. It so they got us the game from Robinsberger, and it's a real time baking game called The Great really, British Bake Off I didn't show it was baking real show time. game. Yeah, it, it's real time. So it is. It's a bit stressful. It's a fun game. I will say that I did enjoy my time with it, and it probably did help with the company. But honestly, it's barely a game. Yeah. So what happens is you have to do, it as the show, you have to bake three uh, things based on what you're doing. We ended up doing, I think it was desserts. So we had to do... Well, I would assume so, yeah. Yeah, we had to... Well, no, because you can do breads. There's different things Uh, that you can do based on the show. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have to do what they call the signature, uh, the technical... And the showstopper. The signature is something that you're familiar with that you can bake at home that falls under the category. The uh, technical is something that is a refined uh, mill or thing. And then the showstopper is like those big wedding cake type stuff. Right. So that makes you... Yeah, yeah. That's why it's called the showstopper. And so this one, you have the three. So we did the desserts. And so you have to build the desserts in a certain way. But you have to be the first one to do it to get the most points because you can take the first one off. And if you're the last person, you can only ever use stuff that's in your, uh, what do they call the bench? Mm-hmm. So what? how you work, this game works is you have... I don't a, know why you looked at me. I don't know. <laughs> you have a deck of cards. Everybody has all the same stuff in those cards. They're mm-hmm. color-coordinated. And you have three technically discard piles. You can only ever take a card from off the and put it in your bake uh, off the top of your deck or from off the top of one of your three discard piles. You also have a bin that you could take uh, things out of your bake. And then, of course, like when you're baking, you have to bake it from the bottom up. And so they have different rules that you have to do in this game. And so you're sitting there, you're flipping these cards, and you're trying to put the proper things to match the colors of the bake. So they, they say they have different rules. So like if it doesn't have a soggy bottom or it has at least a bottom or something like that, you get the lowest amount of points. If it has this without, like, say, a savory filling, then you'll get this point total. And if it meets everything possible, you'll get the highest point total, which is called the Hollywood Handshake, because that's the main guy. Uh, Paul Hollywood is the guy's name. So you're playing this and playing it, and you're doing the three times, and you're sitting there like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. It's all beholden to how you shuffle your deck, because you're using the same deck every time you do one of these bakes. Yeah. So you need to match how it says. So it needs to be like three layers, or in the case of the first thing we had to do, it had to be three of exactly the same desserts. So we're baking like little cookies and stuff like that. So you just put mm-hmm. the cards in the bake, and you're building up and trying to get it perfect. First person to finish all of their things takes the highest point total for the time finish. 
However, then we have to go through the checklist to see if you're going to get the two-pointer, the five-pointer, or the seven-pointer. And it, it's fun. It, it, there is a little bit of a game there, but it's more of an activity because you're all beholden to the dice or the card flip, uh, flips. And then you're like, oh, God, where's the things I need for me to do this dessert? And you're trying, like, for me, the way I did it, I just used the very top part of my bench for stuff that I didn't need. So basically it was my trash pile. And I then see. I would use the right. other two things for the things I need to put into my bank. That's boom, boom, boom. Right yeah, there. boom, boom, yeah. move. And so, yeah, it was just, if the cards are like... They're like domino? Bubble, uh, no, they're, they're longer, like right? the bubblegum pack cards, just maybe a mm. little bit wider. But, uh, yeah, they're very thin, so they are falling over. There's a It's a giant stack about like this, yeah. and they just kept falling over, and then your piles ended up getting mixed up because you're trying to do it so fast. It's... There's a lot of flaws with it, but it's relatively inexpensive. If you're a fan of the show, you might enjoy it just because, uh, especially if it's a group of people you like, mm -hmm. you might enjoy it. But yeah, I I was okay with it. I liked yeah. it. I would um, play it again. I'm glad to own it, but it's not something I'm going to go out of my way to get. Speaking of baked goods, so like that that's not a game, like I, I don't watch any of the shows. They don't interest me. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I don't particularly like cake. Um, which you knew. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a fan of cake. My wife just, they, they had an Easter cake at our Easter the other day. And my wife threw me right under the bus. Right under the bus. Right right there. You see that bus? Yeah. Right under it. Danny won't eat that. And, yeah, no. <laughs> I ate it out of guilt at that point, And I remind myself, like, like, it was a fine cake. It was delicious and stuff. But I just don't like cake. I like the pistachio ice cream way better. Oh, yeah. Ice um, cream's way better than cake. Let's give a shout-out real quick. Uh, Mario Fanatics, thanks for joining us. Illuminous, you too. And Noah's not Scout. He hasn't played Scout yet. That's my new, like, you need to play it. <laughs> and uh, Krupp Senate, thanks for joining us. So the first game I wanted to talk about was a game that you gave me permission to put on my list just right before we started filming. Um, we finished playing the City series. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll talk the, about the other one later. Uh, uh, the City series of... Um, Stefan Feld. Feld, yep. Sorry, I was thinking Phil Walker Harding for some reason. Although we did finish playing that one too, the the trilogy of Joey games. I oh, that's right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but we played New York City, which is a remake of Rialto. Mm -hmm. This game is a very simple. There's five little bidding rounds. Each bidding round has you know a number of phases that you bid on those. Mm -hmm. um, very simple idea that the the actions that you draft at the beginning, that's what you can bid on. You can use a two for one. Um, or you can use some wilds, um, and basically you're just trying to bid. So let's say one thing, it's like I might want to get more skyscrapers because I'm about to build a bunch. So I might bid like three, and if I'm the highest bidder, I get a bonus of normally one to whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so if you bid three, you get four. Yeah, exactly, if you're the highest bidder. Yeah. And so when I play my actions down, you have the option to, to play your actions of the same type, and then... So the mutual player, and we continue going, and then we decide whoever gets the highest one. Mm -hmm. Whoever is the highest, um, ties are broken by the press order track, which is another thing you could bid on, yeah. which was what I ran with. I, I ran pure down the, the press track, and I think you almost caught up to me. Well, yeah, but I never bid on the press track. That's the yeah. thing is, like, I I, uh, I had a... Uh, a what is it the end of round phase guy yeah if i paid him depending on where i'm back without yeah. the, the what is it you're gonna move up the number of the your place position and in, uh, in the 
in the track in order the track, how is how many, many you can move up. Yeah, so if you're in third place, you move three So, spaces. like, the first round, I was in third place, so I moved up three and was, yeah. like, one or two steps behind you. Right, exactly. <laughs> it was really close. Without so, ever bidding on the, uh, right. the news track. Right, it, which is pretty impressive. And I like how you have all these different abilities. You have the different characters you could bid on. Uh, up to level five that you can mm-hmm. get in. You can you have to get these skyscrapers to build on there. There's ways to throw in other skyscrapers based on the buildings. Simple points. It all worked really flawlessly. I was actually so a lot of people say that this is their least favorite of the. Of the I group. actually enjoy it. I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's my least favorite, it's, but that's saying like I not, still very much enjoy this. It's game. not my least favorite out of all the stuff on Felts we've played uh, out of, of the four? Uh, four city. I think uh, for Amsterdam. me, Amsterdam is my least yeah. favorite. I, I can understand that. I and I like Amsterdam. I'm hard pressed. I don't know. I like them all pretty darn equally, except for there was one that was really phenomenal that we're going to be talking about later. But <laughs> it was New York City. I very much enjoyed it. Uh, that was my first one I wanted to talk about. All right, the next one or the next two I've talked about before, so I won't belabor the fact okay. about them. Uh, the next one I did play uh, recently. I just wanted to get to the table again, I, mm-hmm. and it was a, uh, at the same time when I was playing the Great British Bake Off. Um, right after that, I was like, no, you know, let's bust this one out. I played Space Space again. Space Space. It is space uh, in space. I really, really do love this game. It's mm-hmm. it's so fun. Um, I'm I'm not sure. I don't think it ever made it, it, it like jumped out of my top 100. Just because for lack of play, that's another reason why I wanted yep. to get to the table again. And yeah, no, I it's why it's a uh, Machi Coro killer for me. It's why it does this. Mm-hmm. I want to get the expansions that you do Volume One and They're Volume fun. Two. Uh, it's such a phenomenal game. It's real quick, uh, quick and simple. My wife ended up running away with it. I, it is funny because I had built my entire uh, back row in a sense. Yeah. So from like, like my seven, my nine, my ten, my eleven and twelve were all going to hit for scoring. Didn't roll a single one of them, especially. And here's the thing about it's amazing me. how that works. I had a six point seven seven statistically should be rolled. I didn't roll a single time when I got that card a seven, a single time. I'm like, yep. how is this possible statistically? I should have hit it at least once. Right. It's the most common roll. Nope. I got six. I got eight. Never a seven. It yeah, drove me right. insane. So I put one in eight. Never hit an eight again. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Everybody hit eights uh, elsewhere and sevens elsewhere. Well, I was getting my coins, no problem, but I wasn't hitting the points that I had in there. So yeah. I had to like pivot and ended up in last place because just my stuff wasn't like triggering yeah. what I needed them to trigger. That happens. But it's because of the dice rolls. Yeah. But like uh, I was looking down, I'm like, okay, I'm making some points now. I hit it a couple, like my fiver and six a couple times. It's like, all right, cool. I got about 20 points. I'm halfway there. My mm-hmm. wife's sitting at 35. And yeah. she went in there on her turn. She had enough money. She went in there and bought, I think it was like the seven car or something like that. Yeah. Give her five victory points. Yep. Hit 40. She was the last player. Ended the game. Yep. <laughs> That's all it takes. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I really do enjoy that one. For, for a game that's beholden to dice rolls, it's just, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can pull those silly shenanigans. Yeah. Like, dice rolls are not bad and random is almost necessary in most games. And yeah. That just does it in a really fun you, it, it's it's silly it lets you feel clever for things that you normally wouldn't feel clever for so it's a great design I like it um yes yeah, six is the best because you know double six is a, those are fine however when you when the statistically you could get a four and a three a five and a two a six and a one yeah it's a one and six odds yeah to get a seven, a seven yeah. and I'm not hitting it at all right. <laughs> hmm? yep 
but no, it was really good. Uh, it was funny because uh, like one of the first cards out was the I win card, and everybody would just tease the fact that they were going to take that card. Right. And I, not me. I said they're like, no, because I'm not going to roll a twelve for the life of me. That, that's silly. All right, so the next game I wanted to talk about was uh, a new game that I just got. It's a cooperative dice game that I recently got uh, a week and a half ago. And it has been one that has been on my like kind of one list for a really long time. And it finally entered my collection because I was just lucky that there was a garage sale that happened to be selling about uh. 50 games. And there was one that stuck out to me. I was like, that if that's there, when I go, that's mine. I don't care how much it is. I, I need to buy it. And, uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, seven is normally the best if you have to use both dice. That's, that's true. Mm-hmm. However, this game, um, speaking of rolling dice, it's called Roll for Adventure. <laughs> Generic name, not that exciting of a, of a theme. It's, you know, you're cooperatively just working at, at, in a fantasy world. However, every player has five dice that they use, and they all have your own character ability. Mm-hmm. What you're trying to do is you're trying to complete objectives by assigning dice to different quadrants of the board. And if you get enough dice, depending on what the factor is, then you can uh, re- retrieve one of your gems. And you can play anywhere from five to, I think, eight gems, maybe nine, mm-hmm. as different levels of difficulty. Um, we played with six gems because it was the next level up from the basic. Okay. And we're like, all right, let, let's give that a shot. We, we barely barely lost it was really close and the way it works is quite simple one quadrant uh so specifically you roll all of your dice at the beginning of your turn and you choose one number and you may place all of up to all of them of that number on that roll so let's say i roll my five dice it's a one 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 two and a three i can either place my two my three or (laughs) one of my one or my three ones or two of my ones or one of my one Okay. I could do you pick one number and you could put up to all of them that you rolled that turn. So how do each of the quadrants work? First, there's the number one section. It's the sand area, where you're putting ones down, and uh, once you have three ones, then it moves to the next level. And once that second level has three ones, so technically nine dice rolled ones, then you, that die is killed forever. But then you get one of your gems. Okay. Okay. There's a section where it has uh, twos, threes, and fours, and each one has four of those dice in it, and you, a little shield token, okay. or a barrier, whatever it is. Once any one of those numbers has four of those, then you break the shield. Once all three shields are broken, you get a gem, and then all the shields come back. And then finally, the last one is uh, fives and six, which is, I think, the woodlands. When you roll either a five or six, mm-hmm. you place it in this little track, and once you get, I think the first one is seven of them, mm-hmm. then you gain a gem, and then there's a little barrier marker that moves one space further, so it gets a little bit harder every time. Okay. So, the way the numbers work out is, is pretty in- interesting. It's basically, you know, nine is the most efficient, but you need only one number to pull it off. Uh, fives and six are the less likely, but they get exponentially harder. Okay. And then the one that takes the most dice, two, three, and four, is the easiest to pull off because you just need two, three, and four. It's a 50-50 roll on the dice. There's also a fourth sec- section where you need to get all the numbers one through six, and you can put in a single one of each number. And if you get four of those dice, you can opt to immediately trigger it and then take a gray die, which will okay. be an additional die you can use. Or 
Uh, if you go for five, then you can kill a monster. And if you go for all six and you're able to pull it off, then you can um, reset one of those quadrants' life back to zero. Because the way you lose is quite simple. If any one of those quadrants, if, if their life goes all the way to the max, then it's game over. Okay. Okay. There's some really, there's a really neat twist to this though. The monster deck, you pull one card at the end of every turn. They're numbered either one, two, or three, and they have one of those four colors. Okay. When you put it down, it immediately damages the quadrant in however way it does it. Like uh, the five and six, it'll take one of each number. Um, two, three, fours, it takes one of each number. And one, it takes one from just the first segment. If it can't do it, it damages the area. However, if, if you deal out a number, like let's say you deal out a number two, any numbers of monsters that are there that have a lower number on it, because they're numbered one, two, and three, also trigger. So you want to get rid of the, the ones. Mm -hmm. And there's ways to get dice back. There's ways to redo it. There's all sorts of different cooperative things. But there's the Master of Shadows, which goes about halfway in the deck. Okay. When he comes up, he immediately triggers everyone. Then you roll a terrain die, and he damages it again in that terrain. <laughs> and then he gets shuffled in whatever cards are remaining in the deck. So the farther you go down the deck, the more you're going to see him. So first it's around halfway, and then next it's about half of that, then half, half of, of that, that. Yeah. to the point where eventually, if there's one card left, you're pulling the, him every turn. Yeah. It's gross. It's awesome. Brett J. Gilbert and Matthew Dunstan designed this. It is awesome. It's super full of tension. It works really well. The characters have their own fantasy abilities. There's like 10 characters you can choose from. Okay. There's other monsters, like trolls and other things that you can add into it that'll trigger other things, other boss modes double-sided boards so you can play on A and B side of each mm -hmm. of those. Crazy amounts of replayability. I like it a lot. That is Roll for Adventure. I can't recommend it enough. Cool. And I just wanted to mention uh, Corrupt Senate was talking about some games that he played. Tris Magetis was one of his most recent ones. Tris Magistus. Tris Magistus. Um, he crushed his wife, so she didn't like it. Uh, I... <laughs> That's a killer for me. I, I just <laughs> normally throw the first game, depending on what it is. Uh, and then he was talking about Revive, and so I had to look it up, and nah, uh, from what he's saying, Revive and from what I've seen cool. over here, it looks really good. Yeah, very pretty game. Alright, so the next game I'm going to talk about is a time travel game. Um, I mentioned it, it made it into my top 100, um, something I wanted to get played again. I actually finally played it with um, four players. You should definitely play your copy of Roll for Adventure. What, what did you play for four players? Sorry. The Loop. The Loop. Yes, I've been I, hearing about this. I have played it again. I really, really enjoyed it. I like what it's doing. You're basically a group of uh, time travelers who are working together to go up against uh, your enemy, Dr. Foe, and his clones. Um, and so what's going to happen is you're trying to get the clones into their, their actual space and they just blow up. And you're trying to make sure he doesn't take over different areas of the space. You're playing cards out to remove cubes or use energy to help you move to different places. You all have asymmetric abilities. You have all, your own little thing. So like uh, one of the characters, I think he's the, the time bandit is what it's called. Uh, whenever you're dropping the um, Dr. Faux cubes, you can remove one of them by your choice. So that was her power. My power was I can, when I move for my free action, I can move anywhere. Where everybody else has to do with, because it's a octagonal or hexagonal board or septagonal. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Don't remember. 
Uh, but you could either go to the one in front of you or the time behind you. With me, I can just time jump wherever I wanted. Um, and so they all have different abilities. You're playing these cards out. You're trying to meet certain missions. Missions only get exposed when uh, Dr. Foe is trying to take over an area and his cubes land in there, and then they flip up for you to see. So you always start with two exposed, but eventually all of them could be end up being exposed either by as a reward. You can flip one of the, the, the new the missions that are not flipped up, or if one of his cubes land there. In a four-player game, we had all the missions up <laughs> and going by like the third or fourth turn. Wow. Um, uh, and your goal is you got to uh, get four... Uh, missions to win. And we were playing the introductory thing because it's been a while since I played it and I was playing with three new players. Sure. Everybody enjoyed it. One of my friends, uh, my friend, he was like, I liked it, but it was a bit too easy. And I'm like, well, that's because we were playing the introductory one. It's basically just to teach you how the game works. And then there's, so we could play this one again, but at a harder level. And so there's two different things you get, like, so it gets Mega Vortexes. Because mm-hmm. there's, there's two ways to lose. You, um, you lose th- three uh, missions. And so basically, whenever you lose a mission, a vortex happens. If you're ever supposed to get a fourth vortex, you lose the game. If you're ever supposed to get a uh, second vortex in one thing, because like, they're still going to happen. If you were to get a second vortex, you lose the game immediately huh? uh, in that same area. So there, that's the two ways. It's plays really well it's it's actually quite fun and like i was saying um in our past po- uh, podcast before pandasaurus is just hitting on different levels how unique they are this is a pandasaurus game um we've played others that well the skate one um what is it skate summer yeah where it could play completely different than what we were expecting and mm-hmm. it's just they're, they're hitting really well for me and now i realize how much i really do like the loop a lot it's a phenomenal game fantastic cool The next game I wanted to talk about was also a brand new game for me, uh, but it was made in 2010, so it's a bit old. It was a card game that's quite simply uh, one of the most intense card games I've ever played in my life. It is basically a tech tree the whole time. This is called Innovation by Carl Chudik. I've seen this one. Yes, I played it with our our friend Jim, Okay. and um, this game has so much crazy shenanigans going for it that it's awesome. So you have these cards, and there's part of 10 different ages. Each age um, gets a little bit better, because, of course, you know, you start off in, like, the Stone Age, going all up to the Digital Age. And so uh, it's just singular innovation. Um, So the way this works, though, is that on your turn, you're going to be either taking two actions. They could either be drawing a card which is the next one up in your, uh, from whatever age you have played. So if I have a played age of, like, age four, mm-hmm. I, could, I can draw an age four card. However, if a deck is empty, you go up to the next one that is available. What an ugly which, cover. That is an ugly <laughs> cover. I have the yellow cover, which actually the, the art is really quite nice. Um, but, so you draw up to the next age that's available. Simple. Um, however, you can also play a card. You have five different colors, and once you play one of a color that you already have out, you put it over the top. Well, sometimes it'll let you splay cards, where it'll let you like slide them in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. And that's important because the there's icons, there's like uh, castles or crowns or whatever, uh, timepieces, and they can, sh- they can shift in different directions because they're on different parts of the card. So if you shift it to the left, 
you're only going to get like one more icon per card, maybe. If you shift it to the right, you're going to get up to two icons per card. And if you shift it up, then you're going to get up to three icons per card. And more than likely, you'll get quite a bit. And you're using these icons because what the other action you could do is use an action that's on the card where you do all of the text. Now, some of them, it'll first do like, uh, more often than not, it'll do like a cooperative thing. Okay. Where it'll where anybody who has as many of the icons it's referencing, let's say castles, for example, mm-hmm. towers, uh, anybody who has equal to or more than the number I have also gets to take that same action. Okay. So it might say, it's like, oh, draw, uh, draw and play immediately a level four innovation. Okay. So I could do that, and if you had more towers than me, you could do that also. But then there's also another action that has um, a direct effect to other players. Like, so, and that would apply to anybody who has fewer of that icon than, than you. So if I have five castles and you have four, I could play that action and it will say something like, oh, take a random card from that player's hand and score it as points. Because you're aiming for either the most points or if you dominate a certain number of ages, then you can also win. Or there are certain cards that just say, you win if you pull this off. <laughs> and some cards let you get dominations in like technology or mathematics or whatever, like these little five extra ones are. Okay. It's crazy. There is so much going on on it, but it's not a complicated game. It's actually, the the rule book is maybe like four, four pages, five pages, something like that. Okay. And a lot of the reviewers, they simply say, um, like, yeah, we'll teach you how to play it, but really you're not going to know how to play it until you play it. And and that's very true. I think out of all of the games I've played recently, you would absolutely love this one. It looks interesting. It does some crazy, crazy stuff that I have not seen in almost any other game. Like, every card's different. It all works differently. It's just really neat how it how it is. And I understand exactly why this is ranked so high. Innovation, I couldn't be more happy that I played it. Cool. Uh, I mean, it looks interesting. Uh, the artwork's not all that great, but... <laughs> that's that's the Asmati version. I know, it's the Asmati, and that yeah. one is not a pretty version. I no. saw the cover for the yellow version. Yeah, I wonder if it has the art for the yellow version somewhere on here. Yeah, I mean, no, no those those ain't pretty. Um, and that's just because for the longest time, that's how they did it. Yeah, no, but The so. yellow version is... Oh, yeah, it doesn't even show the art on the Bargain View page. I'm sure if you kept looking, you'd find it, but... Yeah, I'll show you the art. It, it's way better. <laughs> and it really brings out... Oh, and Game Boons had it on sale? Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, awesome. Yeah, but I saw it when it was on sale, but I was like, I already paid uh, out the wazoo, because I got that yeah. in the, the Sky one as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting it all together. And we're talking about um, Sleeping Gods. Yeah. Oh, I see. All right, cool. But uh, yeah, Innovation. That was my second last one. All right, my last one to talk about here is one that you kind of mentioned when we were talking about uh, the Stefan Fell collection. This is probably my second favorite out of the Stefan Fell, the a whole entire collection. I really, really did enjoy Hamburger a lot. But this one for his new game really hit the Stefan Feld sweet spot for me, and this yep. is Marrakesh. Yeah. And it, it's funny, when you're looking at this game, it looks massive. And it is. It's a big game. But it's yeah. not as heavy as it really looks, because no. you're basically just playing in different areas, mm-hmm. depending on the the cubes that you choose at the beginning of the game. So you everybody's going to get the same cubes, and your workers are going to get deployed to the same th- those areas. Mm-hmm. So you know where you're going in for that round. And in essence, we play... A total of what 
four, four turns per age for for, for three. So, so like twelve, 12 rounds in total. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so you basically kind of know how you got to set yourself up. Like, and we were all going on different tracks. Like, I was putting all my money into the river track. Yeah, you were huge on the river. Uh, because it allowed me to go certain ways. Uh, yeah. Our buddy was going up on the, the, the double track where it's like yeah. you get the combos here and here. The Sultan right. and, or the the Sultan track, the Palace track is what it's called, in the uh, the yeah. Moss track. You, you did both of those. Yeah, and I was, was focusing running on, those. on the pink track. I yeah. was trying to really just fill in my stuff yeah. on my board. Very, yes. very different strategies on all of our... Uh, we did find a problem because my cube tower wasn't pushed all the way back, so we lost quite a yep. bit of cubes. But yep. it also make the, made the game a lot tighter for us, too, because yes. it's like, oh, God, how, how are we going to manage with these cubes? Yeah. But, no, I really enjoyed it. You have the date tracks, which gives you your resources. You can only get water if you have water vendors and you use your your worker or your assistant, yeah. is what they're called in that game, in that specific area, whether it's either to add a pawn or a cube in there to make it more powerful or uh, using its power to, you know, trigger stuff. But you need to have make sure you have your water vendor in there. That's how you get your water. That's the main ways to get water. There's other ways, like, you can get it in the... Uh, the pink track uh-huh. by putting a cube into the times two area um, yeah. for to get that resource, but mainly it's by your water vendors. Uh, but no, it was really good. I liked the the cube tower, the, the mechanism, the way it worked. Uh, the colors were a little much for us. It's yeah. better than a lot of stuff on Feld games. Yep, yeah, and a lot of Alea games. Yeah, but because of Alea, yeah. because that's where a lot of the stuff on Feld originally was. <laughs> Is that one brown? No, it's the more brown. brown. Yeah, yeah. No, this that, one, that one's the greener brown. There, there was a couple colors because there, there's twelve different cubes. Mm-hmm. So the, some of the colors are really close, but they I, you could see that they tried to make an effort to make it easier. I'm like, if I'm going to pay this kind of money, just give me a little bit of screen printing on these cubes yep. or a little etching or something in there. I understand it's uh, not cost effective. You can take a Sharpie tool. Yeah, but it was just a, but it was a fun game. I really, really enjoyed it. There was a lot of good moving parts to it. I love, honestly, how simple it was, even though the way it looked so complicated it's like oh, okay i get what's going here you're doing yep. this you pull your cubes you put them there you pull your guys you either add cubes or you take that uh, area's ability you do that 12 times throughout the entire game person with the most points at the end of the game wins i thought this was actually really really well done and like i said it's right up there as one of my favorites of stefan feld games in general and right up there out of the city collection out of the four we've played i think it's my number two this is my number one this is your number uh, one? Out of the City Collection. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. No, yeah, I liked it a lot. I can't agree more. It was just really darn good. Like I said, I liked uh, Hamburg more just because I love multi-use cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can dig out multi-use cards, but the, this this feels like a Trajan to me. Like I mean, it it, does, I love Trajan too. But not as hard. That, not that's not the thing. Because it looks Trajan. like difficult to Trajan, where it's basically, okay, these are what you're doing. Yeah. Where Trajan's like, okay, I got an area control up here. I got a uh, resource management over here. I got to make sure I'm doing right on the rondelle. Right. So that when when I say a lot of moving parts, that's Trajan. Yeah. This one has a lot of moving parts, but it's not overly complicated. Yeah, for sure. Cool. And the last one I wanted to talk about was a two-player game that I had got um, a few months ago, and I finally got it to the table. This is called Princess Jing. This is a Kane Klenko game that they were selling at Tuesday morning. Um, so I got it for like... 10 bucks and the component quality from Madigo is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, J I N G. And well, there's two different ways to spell that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, N G. Oh, yeah. That's all right. So Kane Klinko, first off. Okay. Already. Uh, it's yeah. Bizarre. We're big fans of him. Um, do you like Stratego? 
Uh, I've only played it once. It's fine. Okay. This ramps <laughs> this ramps Stratego to an 11. And let me tell you why. Because each of the 25 pieces is a nice two-sided um, Chinese like screen. And the idea is that you are hiding your characters in these screens. On your turn, the basic game is very simple. You move your screen from one spot to another. And you're trying to get your princess piece into or directly in front of the captain to meet their lovers. They're both trying to escape the escape the realm and do that. However, one of the pieces on each side holds a mirror. And this little tiny little disc mirror is enough where you can look down and you can see what piece is on the other side of it. <laughs> so you could move your mirror to a point where you're going to know which if your opponent has a certain piece hidden behind their screen. It's very simple. And then there's an advanced mode where you have certain animals, where two of the animals come out, and you have to discover where those two animals are. And once you discover which two animals are, then you're going to know who who the secret lover is, or the secret <laughs> courtesan, and you're trying to get your princess to that one. And the way they justify this thematically is that they said that they fell in love with this, this guard um, only by talking to them through their screens. And so, like, they, they don't know what they look like, so they don't know who it is based on the looks. They just know what what they're about. And their spirit animals, whether it's wisdom, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, charisma, whatever it is, uh, based on the two animals you get, that'll decide um, that'll decide which of the three characters you're trying to get to. But then again, if you move your piece in a way, so your opponent can actually go, uh, I think that's the princess. And if they call it right, then you have to jump her back to the, the back row on replacing it with one of the empty spaces. And it's silly, and it works really well. Like, I, I like Stratego just fine. It's okay. Uh, yeah, it might be, like, the spy from the street. Kind of, kind of. But the fact that you can, like, look at a little mirror and you actually straight up see it, and it works really well. It's like actually a really good detailed mirror. It's not like some chintzy thing. Like, it... I mean, it's a little piece of plastic, but it's super reflective. I was genuinely impressed with it. The nice. components are amazing, and it's, like, really inexpensive right now because it's being sold at, like, you know, a discount store. Yeah, you found it Tuesday yeah, morning. Yeah, so. I found it for, like, ten bucks. And so, I speaking could, of Tuesday this morning. This is fantastic. Did you hear a lot of them were shut down? Yes, I did. I'm very sad about that. We're, we're keeping not ours. ours. <laughs> not ours. Thank goodness. I'm going to go support them as much as I can. But, yeah, all the ones in our hey, sister city, El Paso. Just, just right, think, just think about it. All this good stuff that we found in El Paso are probably going to get sent to this one. <laughs> Let's hope. Let's hope. <laughs> because the Apollo one shut down. That would be fantastic. Yeah. yeah. That was the big one. No, I, I highly recommend this one. You should try it. Um, anybody who, who thought even Shutigo was like, it was okay. I, or like above, I, said, I, I played it once. Try this. this is about, mm, probably about seven years ago yeah, or so. Yeah, forever and a half ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, and see, I'm I'm the same mindset. Like, I think Stratego's okay. This, this is thing. better. It was so long ago, our friend, because I played it against Gamehead Geek, uh -huh. he was in his old house. Oh, yeah. And I played in his garage, so that's how long ago it was. Yeah. No, it's it's awesome. It, it's, it's such a silly, su such a silly version of this game. <coughs> or, like, this game is just so cool. It does something totally different. And the screens, you keep them built. The insert is designed so you can keep them built throughout in between games. So you once you build them, you're done, and That's it's really cool. high end quality. It's super cool. So Princess Jing, I recommend it. So did you take a look at that game found they sent you? By the way, uh, no. 
The Firefly one? The Firefly Collector's Edition? No. no. Because, it, you know, I would honestly consider it if I if my Firefly wasn't signed by Alan Well, Tudor. I'm just saying, you could buy the Collector's Edition, this way you can play that and just leave the, the signed one up there. On the no, all right. <laughs> I'll just keep the signed one. No, but I'm saying you can keep the signed one in display purposes only and yeah. just play the, the Collector's Edition. That's fair. Uh, so... Get ready, you ready to get going in the anticipated yes, list? Yes, let's talk about our anticipated list. So we're going to talk about the top eight anticipated games coming in 2023 and uh, or uh, upcoming games for us whenever they come out. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully they'll be coming out. But we also had some that got knocked off our list. And I wanted to give us a brief minute to talk about what they are and why. We're not going to go into huge detail on any of these. It's more of just like, a, oh, these are the ones that, that, that missed our radar. Uh, I wanted to mention something, though, real quick. Uh, yes. I just bought a new game. Uh-oh. But it's an old game. Uh-oh. Wait. Huh? It's old You bought a new game, but it's an old game? Yeah, so I've been looking for it a lot ever since we played Fleet. Oh. It's a like, dice game. Huh? Yeah, so there's a company called Game Steward. They do a lot of, like, the Kickstarter stuff. Yeah. So I found it. They had it on, uh, like, 10% off, so it cost me 40 bucks to get the Kickstarter exclusive Fleet dice wow. game. So I'm like, okay, I'm looking forward to that. So when yep. it comes in, we're probably going to have to play it soon. Oh, Yeah. Uh, another reason you need to play Innovation, because it's super multi-use. Nice. Like, all the cards are used in, like, five different ways. That's crazy. No, I'm just trying to find really my good. short list of the anticipated. Okay, I'm good. All right. So, um, we'll start off with this, and then go so from there. So, are we doing the, antici- or the so, short list? The short list, yeah. The all ones right. that did not make our list, and I'll be starting us off. Okay. So, real quick, um, I have eight that I'm just going to very quickly list. Tannis. Phil Walker Harding. That, that was, that was on my the two player Phil yep. Walker Harding. That was on my short list as well. There was a game called Mythwind, um, which oh. is it's it's claimed to be like a super mega open world. Like you literally like it, it's just a save state whenever you stop the game and you just continue playing it no matter mm-hmm. what you end up doing. So you can play it as long as you want and stop whenever you want and uh, play throughout an entire campaign. It feels very like Skyrim esque, so I didn't do, I wanted that on the list. Uh, Council of Shadows, very pretty game. That's really, honestly, why it was on my list. Tiles of the World. Um, this is like your civilization tile tile building game. Okay. And I love tile land games, so why not? Point City. Um, it, it that was wasn't on list. my short list, but I thought about it. Yeah, it fell off my short, or it's on my short list just because it's already out. Mm, yeah. So not a big deal. And there is one on here that's already out, but um, River Trek by Wattsall Poag Games. Okay. Um, I backed the Kickstarter, so I already know I'm probably going to like it from what I saw, and I'm just waiting to receive it. So it's less anticipated. Um, Shadowgate, the Shadowgate board game. Not familiar with that one. I'm a huge Shadowgate fan. I used to play the video game. It's like a point-and-click puzzle game. Uh, kind of like a Myst, except for like game, okay, the yeah, Game Boy. Yeah. And I, I'm familiar yeah. with that, yeah. Trick or Treat Studios is making this, and it has Ooh. high rating. Yeah. Ooh. 2023, yeah. Or 2022, that's why I didn't do it. It's because it's already out. Yeah. And the last one is Dreadful Meadows, hmm. which is kind of like a... It's a Halloween-themed resource management game. So you're building farms that'll, like, grow candy and... That sounds and, like, pumpkins yeah. and, like, silly stuff. And it's super, super Halloween. That's why I was on my list. But, um, yeah, yeah, those are my those are my short lists. I just wanted to go over real quick. All right, so I'm just cleaning up my short list here. This way I don't accidentally say what's on my list. Yep. Uh, first one on my list here is called Empire's End. Okay. It's a John DeClaire game. Mm-hmm. It uh, looks really good. Don't know too too much about it, but it intrigued me. I know it was recently on Kickstarter, or it's going on Kickstarter. I'm not yeah. sure. Um, I, I just realized, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, Empire's End is awfully similar to another John DeClaire title, Last Kingdom. <laughs> I mean, Empire's End, Last Kingdom, it's, it's on brand. 
so uh, you already mentioned it, Tannis. Yep. Uh, the two-player Phil Walker Hardy. Uh, going along the lines with your Halloween game that you were talking about, this uh-huh. one is a Christmas game, uh, but it's a reprinting of it, but it's by one of the better reprinting companies, Ooh. Elf Creek Games. Uh, okay. Santa's Workshop, yep, Santa's second Workshop. edition. Uh-huh. Uh, I do want to try that. You know, I'm a sucker for worker placement games. Yeah, I do. Uh, the next one here is an interesting one. I don't know a lot about it, but I, I love rolling rights. I like flipping rights. Well, this one is a call in right. It's okay. called a call and write. So you got to call something and then write it down on your board. I don't know a lot about it. I'll look it up here. Huh. It's called Colorado, a call and write game. Uh, looks really good. Um, here, and you get on my case for, for I don't puns like, like puns. that. No, it's literally called the state one, but it's a call and write. Make sure, uh, no, that's fine. Yeah. Spell so it's kind of like uh, Tiny Towns and how... In a sense, uh, let's see... You spelled Colorado like. Yeah, I was just trying to see if it would pop up there, but it does not show. C A L L Arado? No. um, Okay. I'll have to look it up. I saw it like on a. uh, Like the Dice Tower News or something like that. And it looked interesting, so that's why I put it on my short list. Okay. Uh, The next one here is shockingly, a Stonemeyer did not make my anticipated list. Mind you, if it was like a top 10 list, it probably would have. This one is Expeditions, uh, which is in the Stonemeyer or the Scythe universe. It's basically the sequel to it. I love the art in that one. Um, the It's tile, not really tile placement, but exploration, multi-use cards, yeah. that kind of stuff. So I'm intrigued by that one. Uh, next one is a Kickstarter recently did. Um, we played the, its predecessor, but this one is Scholars of the South Tigris okay. uh, by Garpill Games. Uh, this one is a dice bag building placement game which you needed a pin on the color wheel apparently right so we'll see what happens there which i'm sure this the only reason it's on your short list is because you already know you're gonna buy it oh yeah i already bought it i I kickstarted it but it looks good like i said it i've looked into it it looks fun Mm -hmm. um next on my list here is a reprint it is called archaeos society which is the ethnos Mm -hmm. reprint yep uh, Palomari is really someone that's been jumping on my designer list. And, I can't wait to try Caesar. Yeah, uh, yeah, be so fun. Yeah. yeah, so I'm looking forward to that one as well. But um, Ar- Archaeos Society or Archaeos Society, I like this version more than the fantasy one because it's you're basically uh, archaeologists competing on like dig sites and stuff like okay. that. So it, it seems more intriguing, less fantasy, more okay. a different design. So and it's made by Space Cowboys, so it's going to be a lot better yeah. than that. that those blues and... Yeah, the weird, like, murky, yeah. gray blues. Yeah. And finally, my last one is one that I just recently found out about within the last week. And when they were talking about it, no one knew anything really about it. It's a new fantasy flight game based yeah. in the Marvel license. It's called Marvel Dagger. Mm-hmm. Yep. And from when they were saying it's going to be... It's a long game. It's going to be three hours. And they were describing it as something else. I'm like, no, that sounds like it's a Marvel reprint of, like, Elder Tour or something yeah. like that. Which I think that's what a but lot of people I think, are assuming. Yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be along those lines, which I'm fine with. I like Elder Tour. It's just really long. But... I don't mind long games if I'm having fun. I love the right. Marvel license, so it, it, yeah. that just made my short list because I'm like, that looks intriguing. Yeah, that alone. It's like, it's possibly Eldritch Horror with a Marvel license. Yeah, you're <laughs> yeah. in. You're in 100%. You like Marvel more than Arkham, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Cool. All right. So that was a quick little short list. Now we're going to talk about the top eight games 
that we are anticipating for the upcoming year and why. Mm-hmm. Are you ready to get into this before we get started? I'm ready to get into this. Let's blow this popsicle stand. Here we go. You're starting us off. All right. So my next, my first two here are like kind of the, they may come out this year. I'm not sure. Okay. Kind of lit, uh, part of it. Uh, this one first, this first one. I think will come out um, because they're they have a good track record. They say it's going to come out around Gen Con, maybe a little after that, because it was just on Kickstarter. They just collected the money, but this is already a big enough company. They probably already have a lot of this stuff printed, and yeah. they just wanted to see how it yeah, was going to look. More. Yeah. yeah, this one is Co-op Unmatched or Unmatched Tales to Amaze. You knew this was going to be on my list. Yep. Yeah, yep. It had to be on my list. I love Unmatched a lot. Uh, it's one of my favorite games. It's in my top 100 for a reason. I, if I remember correctly, it's in my top 10 or close to it. Uh, it's a nice little tactical dueling game or a group team game or whatever you want to do. I love the three-player the three player version. I love the two-player version. I love the teams. Uh, mm-hmm. I prefer it head-to-head, but the teams is fine, too. Uh, but this one, you're going up against... Uh, creatures or monsters and working as a team using your characters and what I like about it it's a plug and play so this one is coming with characters that you can play with but you could if you have other unmatched sets like you have the Houdini and Genie you can bring those into this co-op and still be able to play those characters so if there's one person that you really like for me personally I want to bring Bigfoot into it because I want to put Bigfoot up against Bothman (laughs) the Mothman so yeah (laughs) yeah, it's funny because it's like you have Bigfoot and then you could have him and like the Mothman has like the terror lizard or frog and you have the jersey devil working with the mothman having bigfoot going over there and smacking him with his uh giant log that he's carrying mm-hmm. uh it looks intriguing it looks really fun i've watched a, a a play of it on dice tower when our friend was telling us like hey you guys don't need to go check it out i'm like all right i'll check it out but i didn't want to get too much into it i just wanted to get a little bit of information how it worked yeah. Because I want to be surprised. I really want to go into it and be like, okay, that's cool. That's cool. I don't want to learn too much of those characters' cards, like the Golden Bat. And So I watched about 10 minutes of it, saw how it worked. And I'm like, yeah, it's right up my alley. Perfect. Cool. My number eight, uh, and the, there's a reason it's number eight, because I'm excited for it. Um, but this is also technically an expand alone game. It's called Matrix. And uh, without the I, M A T R X. And I saw this. Yes. It is a GIF series game. Yeah, I so saw this one. They have made a number of GIF series. Mm-hmm. Um, that started with GIF. They made seven of them, and there was also uh, a series called the GIF Project, where they used the same ideas and they can use a lot of the same components. Well, this one specifically, the the what makes it different than all the others is that it ta- it says it takes a little bit of like the movement from like Devon and. Uh, like some of the others, like Zertz and, and um, Yinch and all those. Little, it takes little pieces from everything, which is okay. why it's called Matrix. So it uses a lot of the same stuff. However, it can also, and this is the first time they've ever done this, be as an expansion to GIF itself, which is why it says Matrix GIF on it. Um, so it can be played by itself using a lot of those different factors, or it can be used to expand GIF, which is already one. That's my third, fa- fourth favorite of the GIF series out of yeah. all seven of them. And, yeah, I I like those abstract strategies a lot. And I'm glad to see that they're still supporting it. And this is a, definitely a different twist on it. Other than that, I don't know much about it. I'm sure it uses discs of some kind in a weird hexagonal board. Because all of them do. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't need to know much more of that. But I've never seen an expansion for any of these yet. So that's what makes this so intriguing to me. So that's my number eight. 
uh, Matrix, or I guess it's Matrix GIF. Cool. Yeah. Flip the coin. Number seven. You'll be starting to talk. All right. So my number seven is the other one that I um, don't know if it's coming out this year. This one, uh, I am on the, the GameFound version of it. Uh, it's saying around December, but the, this same company also said that for Paleo, and it ended up getting, or not Paleo, uh, Endless Winter, and ended up getting yep. pa- uh, pushed back. But, oh, man, the art on this one alone is the reason why I backed it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is Unconscious Mind. Uh, it's got two of my favorite board game artists, Vincent Dutre and Andrew Bosley. Yep. Uh, this is during the uh, world of Freud where you're delving into um, uh, people's uh, dreams and minds and stuff like that and trying to find. And so Andrew Bosley does like the 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 mind art in a sense when yep. you're going through it. And Andrew, uh, Vincent Dutre does all the real world type art. And oh, I just love the way this game looks. Which is such a cool idea, having yeah. two very different artists do different parts of it. Like, it, that's really cool. Yeah, so you have, like, uh, drafting in it. There's programmable movement. There's just so many mechanisms in this game. That's why it's, like, it's also another reason why it's further back on the list. I'm looking forward to it. But mm-hmm. uh, just by researching it and looking at it, this is going to be a heavy, heavy game. <laughs> but it looks so gorgeous. Look at look yep. at this table eater right here. Yep. <laughs> looks heavy. So, but yeah, um, and it's on a lot of people's anticipated list, so I don't want to go too, too much into it because you, right. you, Any other knows, yeah. we're trying to bring you stuff that you don't know yet, but yeah, no, but, but the fact that it's Vincent Dutre yeah. and Andrew Bosley is what got it on my uh, radar and would make me go like, you know what? I have this extra like $200 that I can spend. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to back this. I, I late yeah. pledge to this one and I got pretty much everything I wanted off of it. Cool. Awesome. Uh, my number seven is probably, yeah, probably the strangest game on this list, um, which it doesn't say much for my list all that often, but this has two different games in it. I forget the designer. I I remember it's a pretty well-known designer, but this is called Circles. And the way it works, it's a dexterity game where you are, uh, it's basically a roulette wheel. You spin this metal ball around a little felt circle around the board that, that's Thomas Singh. Yeah, it's a designer of um, the crew. Okay. And yeah, so yeah. you spin this ball around this circle, and it's like a roulette-based thing on one side of the board. And I think you're trying to control certain areas based on what you roll. I, I don't know much about it. But the other side is a Western theme, and you're kind of like building paths between the different spots on the board. It's super weird. I know very little about it. I mean, the description says right here, yeah, basically just, that's exactly what it is. So Uh, it's basically two games with different... Right, yeah, double-sided game board. says both being driven by the same mechanism. One side you delve into the Wild West, mine gold and silver, fight bandits, fulfill your dream of owning your own ranch. Like, weird stuff. Yeah. And I don't know if this is just supposed to be random or if it's supposed to be dexterity. I kind of don't want to know. It's just so bizarre and weird you looking. Would, you would find something, something so obscure. This. I know. And I don't know what it is about this. It is the weirdest thing I've seen in a long time. But I don't I even know anything that. about this game. Right. But it's from the guy who made The Crew. Which is a great game. Which is a great game. And so if he could take a classic trick-taking game and, and, turn, turn, it it, and turn it co-op and make it really cool, 
he could probably do something cool with roulette. Oh, honestly, yeah. so oh, yeah. I'm curious to see what it is. Circles, that's my number seven. All right, moving to our number eight. All or, right, uh, sixes. Number sixes. Let me start yourself. So this is the one where you admired the cover when you briefly looked over. You ah. were, <laughs> were screen screen watching. Um, no, you said, "What is that game?" And I looked over and I'm like, what, "Wait, what the hell was that?" Yeah. <laughs> it's called Daybreak, and and I felt bad because at first I was like, "Wait a minute, hold on," because that's kind of a generic name. But I remember why why I'm excited about this. This is a cooperative game about decarbonizing the earth. You know, it's and I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's so woke and whatever. It's by Matt, Matt oh, Leacock. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, this is the Leacock game. You're, okay. you're putting up solar panels. You're trying yeah, to decarbonize the earth. That is a it is a cover. fully cooperative game. I love that cover. Um, if anybody wants to see it, yeah, we're going to post it in the chat real quick. Honestly, like, I, I dig that style. Like, it's almost reminiscent of the... Um, uh, trekking through the trekking through history, mm-hmm. but this is a little more abstracted. I think it looks cool. Um, the art on it is super pretty, and again, it's a cooperative game about an earth, a major earth thing. CMYK, CMYK, which I don't know much about them. I think they did Kickstarter for it. They're they're probably a newer company, but yeah, I mean, I that cover they alone. Did oh, oh, okay. Well, then they go. I guess they're not a not a new cup. New game company. Monikers. But monikers, okay. Alright, fair enough. Hmm. Yeah, so they're making they're making this game, Daybreak. And I know there was a Kickstarter for it last year, or if not two years ago. And I think there's little solar panel pieces that you put on the board, so it's like, it looks pretty cool. It looks good. I, I, once I saw what it was like, I'm like, wait, is that the one I think it is? Is yep. it Matt Leacock? Yeah. Yep, Matt Leacock Cooperative. I'm in. About a major world event kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, duh. Duh, I'm yeah. in. No, yeah, no. So. I'm down with the play this one if we right. if one of us gives it. Because, because I, it I might. Alright, so uh, my next one is kind of a sequel. Kind of in the same world kind of game. Um, this one is called... Uh, it's based off of uh, Creature Comforts. Okay. So yep. this is their next follow-up. This one's called Maple Valley. Maple Valley. I'm yep. a sucker for these Canadian games. games. I mean, sorry. Huh? You're a sucker for Canadian games. No, not Canadian <laughs> games. <laughs> You're funny. Uh, I'm a sucker for these anamorphic uh, animal yep. games. Uh, my wife really enjoys them a lot. That's why I like. I have the Everdale Big Box right over your head. Mm-hmm. I have Creature Comforts right over your shoulder. <laughs> um, and this one is just a, a pseudo-sequel. And it's resource management, if I remember correctly. Yeah, hand management set collection. You're just basically... the, the In Creature Comforts, you're... Basically, animals that are getting ready for winter to hibernate. So you want to get your creature comforts. You want to get your food. You want to get your your board game rooms in. You want mm-hmm. your your things that go together really well. And this one, the winter's over, and so now you need to go collect and get your set management. Maybe go um, uh, out and capture bugs and stuff like that. Just have a good old time. And so, yeah, I'm really really looking forward to this one. Uh, not much more I can say about it because I backed it and I forgot about it in a sense. <laughs> so I am uh, excited for it. It's getting closer and closer for distribution because I, I did kickstart right. it. And so I, I keep getting all the updates and I'm looking at it and I love the art. The art is just adorable. Yeah. Yeah. The anthropomorphic <laughs> creatures and that, those are even more adorable than most. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, the artist is Shauna J.C. Tinney. So yep. if you're Amazing into. Artist. Yeah. 
if you're into kid stable board games or anything like that, I, I think you should look into this. Uh, you should at least try Creature Comforts. It's a really good game. I love the, the differences with it. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Cool. All right, off to our number fives. Starting with me, huh? Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, speaking of animals, this is another one, but these are not anamorphic. Uh, this one is about breeding foxes. Uh, this is actually based on something historically, yep. but they changed it because that was a very <laughs> uh, interesting theme because it's called the fox experiment. Yep. So, they were breeding foxes to farm them for their fur, and this is the historical part of it. This one is more you're breeding foxes to make them pets, so you're trying to get desirable traits, yep. and uh, you keep some, uh, and you're, so you're trying to breed them, so you get the mom and the dad to, to try to breed in a new trait into this, uh, the, the offspring, and then you're trying to collect the offspring and breed desirable traits into them to be get the most points, to get the most desirable foxes, in a sense. Uh, it looks really good. Again, Pandasaurus. Um, that's a, that's one of the reasons why I was like, okay, I looked into the Kickstarter and then I saw it was designed by Elizabeth Hardgrave who designed Wingspan and I'm like, all right. And then I watched a live playthrough while it was live on Kickstarter and I'm like, well, now I have to back it because it looks really good. Um, it's inexpensive. I think it was like 60 bucks. It's going to be 60 bucks retail. So it's going to be your average game price. Uh, you have like some really nice uh, engraved dice if you did the Kickstarter exclu- uh, stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll get, um, I don't know if it's plastic or wooden resources, but there's, there is a reason to kickstart it, but the retail version is just going to be just as nice. Um, the artwork is really, really nice looking. I'm looking forward to it. It's actually, I just finished stuff out, so I'm assuming they're getting ready to get things going, so probably around Gen Con time I should pick up this game. Cool. Awesome. This game, uh, my number five, is the game that I know the least about because I, I just saw it announced like maybe last week or two weeks ago. Um, but, you know, this designer might ring a bell. Kane Klinko. I've already talked about one of his games. And this is the newest one from him. It's called Nanatuck. Uh, N-A-N-A-T-U-K. I, I, I know how to spell yeah. that one. Um, yeah, I, I believe that's it. Uh, I didn't see it on Board Game Geek or Nanatuck. N-A-N-U, That's fine. I I could do this. Yeah. Anyway, it's Kane Klenko. Basically, the idea is you are working to uh, basically climb a mountain or or try to get, like, either into the mountain or not get stuck into this frozen ice mountain. And the idea is that you are, um, and again, I know very little about it, you're climbing up this mountain that is eventually getting... uh, more and more frozen over and your characters I think can get stuck in the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's going to have a 3D board. Kind of sounded like it from the description. Um, but yeah, who knows? Uh, you might want to sort it by year. Yeah, I just realized <laughs> I want to hit that. Yeah, Nanatuck. Yeah. Or Nunatuck. Nunatuck. Ah, yeah, yeah. Temple of Ice. I just recently saw this. I think it was like on a Dice Tower news segment or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one looks really good. Yeah, Carve a Step Pyramid from the ice and rise high in points. Yeah, like, okay. I mean, that's the that's the tag stuff. Um, the ice temple. Cosmos. Been, yep, from Cosmos. So they make good quality stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's from a designer I like. It, I don't know much about it, but just that idea. Hold that on, premise, hold on, hold on. Building an ice pyramid. Oh my god, he's making a second game that doesn't have uh, real time? Yeah, <laughs> hey, he makes plenty of games that don't have real time. I know, uh, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Dead Men Tell No Tales. That's by one. far my favorite Kane Klinko, and as much as I like Fuse and Flatline. Yeah, yeah, no, this is, it, it looks awesome. So, 
I mean, again, King Clicko is one of those designers where he always seems to do stuff that is completely out of the box. Mm -hmm. And I tend to appreciate his designs, whether they end up being good games or not. I tend to really appreciate that he's trying to do something that, like, some designers are stuck in a rut where they Mm -hmm. make, like, just really good, or not even stuck in a rut, but, like, they're doing the same thing and they know how to do it really well. Like, Matt Leacock, he's really good about, like, co-op games. This is Um, your number five? This is my number five. Okay, yeah. And and there's a lot of designers that do, like, similar things that that really kind of do what they do really well. He is one that, like, every game he comes out with is just a new, weird, bizarre idea and he makes a game out of it. Yeah. So, I like that. Um, Nunatuck is my number five. Alright. Number four. Alright. My number four is a abstract strategy game. Oh, this is the one that's already out, um, and I don't own it yet. I don't know if it's available in, in the United States or not yet, uh, because it would be coming through a company called Hachette, and I don't know if they have too much distribution here in America yet. But um, it is a game called Koale, uh, Q-A-W-A-L-E. And this is part of the Q series from uh, Gigamic. And it's a wooden abstract game. Yeah, yeah, I saw like, this one. Porto Pilots all up. Once I saw this, I knew that was going to be on your yeah, list. Yeah, it, it's a guarantee because every single time I want this game. Um, and the way it works is you and one other player, you have two different colored stones that mm-hmm. are flat rock stones. And there's a third stone color that goes in the cor- corner. On your turn, I believe you either place a stone or topple it or you might be doing both. But the way it works is simply if I have a stack of three stones... I'm going to be putting them, like, picking all but one up and then dropping it down and then setting it aside, setting it aside, setting it aside. And then all you're trying to do is connect opposite sides together. Okay. If you're the first to do that, it works. Um, it reminds me a lot of Tack, um, the the old James Ernest, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Patrick Rothfuss abstract strategy game. And I like that one, too, but there's something about the simplicity of the gift series that I really appreciate more than all the others. And I'm a sucker for everything. If, if GIFs comes out with an abstract strategy, which they only do about once a year, maybe once every two years, I'm, I got to buy it. Yeah. Last one was Squadro, and I really liked it. Um, or there might have been a different one, but it was on that same line. It was a different one. It had different shapes and stuff. But either way, yeah. that I can't say more about it. Two-player abstract strategy, second one <laughs> on my list. I mean, that's what, that's what I do. Yeah, I that's what them. you do. Yeah, number, number four. Uh, so, going along the lines of what you do, this is something I always do. This yeah. is actually a Kickstarter from one of my favorite companies, one of my favorite designers, and one of my favorite worlds, the world of Ulos. Uh, yeah. Which is course. in the role player. This is called Dawn of Ulos. This is the newest game out of the Thunderworks line. It should be coming out this year. That's what it says. Um, and it looks like everything, yeah. it looks like, again, this one is going to kickstart, not kickstart, but be around Gen Con time, so July, August, is where it's sitting right now. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Uh, this is this is an interesting thing about this one is because it's a lot... Um, I've heard people talking about it that it's Acquire. And I'm not a huge fan of Acquire, but it intrigues me... Acquire intrigues me for what it does. But this one, you don't have that penalization where you're growing your company and someone just forces a merger and you end up losing all your stocks and you basically get screwed. Mind you, that's a, 60, a game from the 1960s. It's not quite what happens, but yeah. yeah. Well, it's happened to me like the two times I played it. Yeah, so. I mean, it's it's tough. So, But this one has other stuff like that where you're also trying to 
appease the gods. And that's the stock market is you're trying to build up a territory and appease the gods to get the favor and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But there's territory building, uh, there card play conflict resolutions was saying here. So y'all, I know you have an ad hand uh, management as well in the investment is what I was talking about. Yeah. So they're saying this is a Ulo's kind of stock, uh, not stockpile, uh, acquire. acquire. But it it seemed interesting enough, and it's Ulo's game. So I'm going to give it um, the the hope that I'm going to enjoy this a lot. Uh, it looks good. the The art is along the Ulo's line, or anything that's like role player line. All the art and pretty much matches. This is the game that you're supposed to be creating the world that role player is based out of. So yeah. I find it intriguing because you have like your different factions. You have like the frogkin, the the I forget what the the penguin uh, group is called. But yeah, so it seems really good. It seems very intriguing. It's right up my line because I love a lot of this stuff except for the stock market manipulation stuff. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, maybe you'll like this one. Maybe yeah. this will be the exception. And maybe the this will be the exception, yep. Yeah. Cool. Number three. All right, is that me? Yeah. So now my number three is an interesting one because this is the newest game I found out about and I think I only found out about it last Wednesday. Oh, wow. Okay. Or so. And I, it's just because I saw, again, I, I, I watch a lot of the Dice Hour news. It's the best really one of the best places to get like what's coming out or uh, watches played uh, Cult of the News. Yeah. Uh, I so, both of those. Uh, those sure. are the two that I watch religiously just to get all the information. When I saw this announced, I was like, oh. Like, so I haven't played any of the other games in this line except for the very first one. And I really do enjoy the very first one. It's just a crossroad game by Plaid Hat. This one is called uh, Freelancer. What intrigued me about this one, not just the fact that it's a crossroads game, which is fine. I I had Gen 7, and I just never played it. The The rules look too complicated. Um, I I do want to play, what is it, the the Muddy Waters or... The, there's a pirate one that's in the crossroad lines, too. Yeah. This one, though, uh, is a... Forgotten Waters. Forgotten Waters, yeah. Yes. That, um, this one is a post-apocalyptic fantasy game. It looks... The art is phenomenal uh just by that cover i was like okay i'm in i do want to try this one a lot this looked really really good so just by the art and just by the fact that it's a crossroad games and from what they were saying because forgotten waters apparently is a really good game Mm -hmm. that i still want to try it but this one just that art that cover just pulled me in cool awesome uh, my number three is a theme. This is probably the heaviest game out of all these. This is called Three Ring Circus. Look at that art, though. Yeah, it, that's pretty. Three Ring Circus. This is a worker placement. Um, Spelling or number? Uh, that's a great question. I think it's the number. And we'll find out real quick. Yeah, Three Ring Circus. So this is a worker placement uh, circus building game. Where you first off, I love the. I saw this. Cover. This is Devere, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep. So you are traveling around Europe, trying to build up, or uh, maybe the U.S. Actually, you're trying to build up the best acts for your three ring circus. Mm-hmm. You're trying to have three acts per time, and you're traveling around trying to get the best spots to eventually get to the point where and you can battle over the main city. They're going to give you so much stuff and tack it into a little bitty, bitty box. It'll be in a little bitty box. That's fine. Because those those circles, I think, are actually 3D tents. Yeah. As no, your pieces. Good. And so, and there's even a point where you might even be competing against 
you know, Barnum and Bailey. Yeah. And and some of the well-known ones. But you're trying to make your stake as being the best three-ring circus that travels around the area. I love that theme. That That's, art that is, is great. That is a very intriguing theme. DeVere's been popping lately. I ain't going to have clowns in my the, circus, though. Screw that. Bullshit. That's fine. Yeah, I'll take creepy. all your clowns. I'm the one who's going to win by having by not being all clownophobic. I don't mind. You're send not going to win with all, just nothing but clowns. Yeah. Oh, I send. There's a lot the more people that hate clowns. I, I, that's fine, but that doesn't mean that in the board game they're going to mind it. <laughs> we'll find out. No, I love that premise. I love the theme. That cover is fantastic. It's so good. Yeah, it is a really good. Yeah. Cover. I mean, it's popping. It has people like doing acrobats. It has magicians. You know, in the turbans, the the standard like old school magicians, and it's like almost old school looking art too. Yeah, absolutely. It looks like one of those posters that you would throw on for like, a circus. Yeah, like yeah. in the nineteen fifties and stuff like that. Absolutely. So, but notice no clowns on the cover because they're smart. There's a clown right there. On the bottom. No, right. that's just a picture. That's like a poster in a yeah, sense. Yeah, of a clown. But it's not like a you know an actual. Right, it's not clown. one of the main performers. Yeah, right? but that's totally a clown though. So what you will. That's still a clown. I'll just put a sticker over that. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> a little but the thing is, I'm not afraid of clowns. I just don't like them. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it's, <laughs> not, it's not like if they come up to me, I'll run you know, away. If they actually, come up to me, I'm going to deck them. A number of years ago, like there was a there was an interesting statistic that like um, there was a children's hospital that pulled over a hundred different kids mm-hmm. so that way they could figure out what they want to put on the walls because they were about to decorate. Oh, God. So they pulled over a hundred kids and 100% of them said no clowns. <laughs> Every kid so oh, said I'm, absolutely uh, no clowns. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> my parents used to stay at Circus Circus when they went to uh, sure. Vegas. Yep. So I seen pictures of the room with the, the clown borders <laughs> at night. My dad's like, no. No, <laughs> they remade it. Like, apparently, it's less clowny from the out, from the inside. But yeah, yeah, but no, but I, like I was like, no, I'm good. No, and they show me pictures of it. I'm like, oh god, how did you sleep at night? He's like, I didn't do it very well. Kept <laughs> <laughs> waking up. I don't know. Waking up in a cold sweat. But no, I I love this theme. I can't wait to try. That one it. looks pretty good. Yeah, that alone, like on the theming and and the basic overview of how the mechanisms work, I was in. I was hooked. Right, so three circuits, my number three. So my next two here, I know very little about, but there's certain reasons why it's on here. Uh, these next two are based on some of my favorite IPs, so these are IP-based games. Mm, okay. The first one I'm going to talk about, uh, my number two, is made by one of my, actually both of them are some of my favorite designers, but this one uh, more so uh, because I love a lot of the work he's done. I, he's a friend of the podcast. He has been on here. Mm-hmm. And his name is Rob Davio. Oh, okay. Uh, this one is not going to Kickstarter. It's not being made by Restoration Games. It's a game that he did with Simon. Oh, okay. And this is called Stranger Things. It's yeah. based on the Stranger Things IP. And again... I know nothing about it. They if there's released... one person who's like almost a, a shoe in that he'll make a good IP game. It's Rob Davia. Rob Davia. Uh, but the thing is, I know nothing about this game. I don't know how it's going to work. I just know it's based off the Stranger Things IP. They announced it last year around the summertime. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're only now just starting to release information. Uh, this game, for one, is not going on Kickstarter. It's going straight to retail. Number two, it's going to be around Gen Con time is when they're going to release it. Now, um, I can look up, see if there's any information on Board Game Geek, but honestly, I do not know what... Uh, so, yeah, see, look, at they, they don't even have it on here. The 20... Oh, wait, wait. 
I think yeah. this is it right here. Upside, Upside down. down is what it's called. Yep. Great uh, cover. And it's basically, yeah, it's a good cover. Because uh, it actually shows, like, the kids on top and then the, the Mind Flayer underneath. And it looks really, really good. I'm a big fan of the um, the show. I know you're not a huge fan of it. Yeah, that's fine. But I'll watch it. I think it's amazing. So let's see. It doesn't even give you like what the mechanism or in it. It just basically tells you this is a game based off of <laughs> Stranger Things, the TV show. Yep. Uh, so uh, players take on the role of the kids of Hawkins who are trying to stop the operatives of the Hawkins National Laboratory and the evils from the Upside Down. Players must work together to clear stacks of tokens before times run out. Uh, the game offers two seasons of play. So basically from what I'm understanding there, it's the first two seasons of Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds kind of like an Elder Tour, like a El- uh, game where you're having to clear sure. stuff off in wins. But I'm intrigued by it. I do really, really enjoy the TV show. I'm a huge fan of Rob Davio. Like mm-hmm. I've liked a lot of his games, whether it's stuff that he's worked on Restoration or just some of his designs like uh, Cthulhu Death May Die. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so I'm intrigued by this one. But, like I said, I really know nothing about this game. Even that the description on this yeah. tells us nothing on this game. We know it's uh, Stranger Things. That's about it. <laughs> All right. My number two is also an IP game. Kind of. It is IP in the fact that it was Disney-themed. It, this is Walt Disney Animated from from Funko, Funko. Games. Funko, I forgot about this one. Yes. This would have made my short list. Cause... So... Yeah. This looks really good. It looks really good. And it's right at that weight where Funko really just kind of knocks it out of the park mm-hmm. when it is. It's like a mid-weight well, game. Well, not Funko. Prospero Hall. Prospero Hall. Yes, yeah. Prospero Hall. Yes, Prospero Hall. Yes. It says that on the cover. So the idea is you are trying to create uh, five different of the classic, like, 90s Renaissance um, uh, Disney movies. Yes. Right? I know, like, Aladdin, I believe, is one of them. Uh, Lion King, I think, was another Lion one. King, yep. Yeah. So you're trying to do these. And I believe it comes with uh, clear, transparent cards. As you're overlaying the scenes mm-hmm. and you're building these. However, the villains from the animated shows, uh, so like Jafar, Scar, whatever, mm-hmm. are actively working against you to making those movies. It's such a weird meta concept. I, I where, looked. Yeah, where you're you're laying down basically stills of the. I'm buying of this the game show. regardless because yeah. it looks really good. Yeah, I mean, I don't need to say more than that. I just I like it. Prospero Hall. I like what they do with Disney. Mm-hmm. Funko Games does good stuff, and this is such a cool premise that I think it's going to be a. Uh, It'd a be really good. Part. And the thing is, you could most of these Funko games you can find like in Target and stuff like that, yeah. so they're not going to be expensive. I, I'm nope. going to say if this comes out, it's probably going to be about thirty, forty dollars. Yep, probably. Yeah, probably. And, and with clear, transparent cards, probably great components. Mm-hmm. They do good stuff. So really I good. mean, I I can't not put this on my list. I remember I seeing this, and I was like, I should put that on my list because I keep I was keeping my list on my yep. phone. And my phone was charging the other way, uh, other room, and I'm like, I just forgot. I just forgot. And then yeah. when you mentioned it, I'm like, oh, this would have totally been on my short list, yeah. at least. Yeah, at least. Yeah, <laughs> it looks awesome. It looks really, really good. So hopefully that'll be out soon because uh, I definitely want to play it. Honestly, knowing Funko and them, it, if it, it, especially if it's going into Target, it's going to be in Target probably about either July or August because they have like different. Mm-hmm. So they always do their board games mm-hmm. in sets. So they either have them yeah. um, like May, June, and then the others are July, August. So yeah. they sweep stuff out and bring stuff in. Because yeah. that's usually where I like to go to Target. <laughs> when I like to go of to course, Target, right? Yeah. When the sales are going on. That's right. And now for our number one most anticipated games of the year. Here we go. Starting with me. I'm so tired of... And this one, <laughs> I told you, and you should know what this one is. This is based off one of my favorite video games of all time. 
And this is also based off of one of my favorite, cleanest designers uh, that I've ever seen. He's made some of the biggest, grandiose games so simple. And this is Emerson Matsuchi. Ooh, okay. And this game is called Persona 5. Persona 5, Uh, I believe this is coming from Pandasaurus as well. Probably. Yes, it is. uh, So, like I said, I don't know a lot of this game. Um, I don't even think it's on here. So, but it's a it's a card game, if I remember correctly, or at least a board game, with Emerson Matsuchi as a, a designer who's done games like Century Spice Road or Gollum Edition, um, uh, Spectre Ops from Plat Hat, where you have a hidden betray or a hidden movement game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done um, uh, Foundations of Rome, which is like this big giant game with. Bingo. <laughs> in a sense. It's like, okay, yep. I'm going to bid and take that one and I'm going to put it over here in my C2. Yep. <laughs> so, but I I really do enjoy this uh, uh, designer and I really enjoy this IP. I like uh, so much so. And the publisher, too. Yeah, oh, and the publisher, too. So I, I'm really looking forward to this one. In fact, I'm trying to find if it has any... Um, information on board game geek right now for i if see if anything even for me right uh because yeah look at that look at those designs man century spice road spectra ops reef foundations of rome this guy Mm -hmm. could has i every single one of those games that i have played i've thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed so yep uh i'm just gonna have to do this huh probably but other than that uh we'll get back to mine so uh, just because I want to see if there's any information. So go ahead, do your number one. Sounds good. Uh, my number one is, quite simply, I, this is also the second game from, from the same designer on my list. And this game wasn't technically announced. It was simply... Uh, it, it, it was leaked by accident. The, this company makes little... Um, they, they make little... Uh, <laughs> calm down, stop looking at his other games. Uh, they make... They don't even have it on it. Oh, he did her, her story? Yeah, I guess so. Hmm. Anyway, so this game is the fourth in the trilogy, and this publisher, they print out little categories, or little catalogs. Mm-hmm. Are you okay? Did you have a heart attack? Yeah. No, I see it. I see it. We'll <laughs> talk about that after. That's now number one for you. Um, uh, close to... Oh, no, that, that makes so much sense, but go yeah. ahead. Yeah, so... Anyway, <laughs> take it away from my number one, let me tell you. You see how uh, yeah. how it is? Yep. This company makes catalogs that they include in all, all their games of other games that they've made. And I guess they had one ready to print and it got leaked somehow on the internet. Oh, so this game was not announced, but I think they might have confirmed it later. This and is you'll the, probably see it again. This is the fourth of a series of cooperative games. First you started in the island, then you went to the uh, desert, yeah, 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 then you went to the sky, now you're in the jungle. Yeah, I figured it list. Jungle. I didn't know it was going to be number one. Oh, 100%. I like all three of the games before it. They're they're fantastic. The designer's awesome. GameRight makes amazing stuff. There is no reason this shouldn't be on my list. This is There's nothing about it that, that tells me I, I wouldn't want to see it. So the fact that this got released accidentally to be talked about, I feel a little bad, a little bit bad about. But as soon as I heard, well, about they, it, they already started talking about it. Yeah. So. As soon as I heard about it, I'm like, oh my god. So yeah, this Pandasaurus. I know nothing about it other than the fact that if this just follows anywhere in the lines, 
And this, like, I'm sure this is going to be tile laying probably as you're expanding out. Because he, he described it as the three was going to be, um, the first one mm-hmm. is your tiles are going away. The second one is your tiles are shifting around. The third one is you are building your tiles. So I don't know how the tiles are going to work on this one. So maybe a combination of those before. I don't know. Either way, I don't care. I'm going to get it. Forbidden Jungle, as soon as it's available, it's mine. I'll play it. Um, I, I liked Island. I enjoyed Desert a lot. That's my favorite. I yep. was not a fan of Sky. So That's fair. That's fair. That, that is the the most divisive out of all. So going back to mine, it's called Persona 5 Royal, the card game. Um, mm-hmm. It is going to be... Players will take on the roles of their favorite Phantom Thieves uh, to fight to change the world in a cooperative card-based strategy game. Okay. That's all the information. It's saying here that it's going to be released around Halloween this year, so that gets me a little excited. Yep. Because I just found out another game that he's designing this year that's coming out around the same time based on Halloween, one of my favorite slasher films of all time. This is dangerous. This is dangerous. <laughs> and it's a hidden movement game, so yep. we were talking about like Spectre Ops. But what's intriguing about this is it's not a surprise who's bringing this to uh, right. Trick or Treat Studios. So, yep. Emerson Masucci, Trick or Treat Studios, Halloween. Uh, it's called Halloween, the board game. You play as Michael Myers and stalk the other players in this hidden movement game. I'm buying it. This is, this is <laughs> if I had seen this before we made this list, this probably would have been my number one. Yes. <laughs> no. No, all the other games, they're garbage. This one, let me tell you. <laughs> this would have bumped out uh, a match. Tell 30 to 60 minutes. Honestly, I'm not surprised. Spectre Ops is not a long game. No. No, yeah, because he does streamline his game yep. so well. Yep, he does. Uh, have you ever played Spectre Ops? Nope. I played it. I enjoyed the mess out of it. <laughs> it was funny because uh, uh, Gamehead Geek owns the game. Uh-huh. And so he was the... Because the, me and uh, our friend Dom were the... Um, I guess they're called the agents that are hunting because uh, it's basically in a... Not, I want to. I don't want to say like a fascist world, but it's like where the corporations have taken over. We work for the corporations, and he's an agent that's trying to blow up the government. Yeah. And so, like, he was running around trying to blow things up. But we're like mutated creatures, so like Dom was playing like a werewolf type creature. Okay. It was it was really good. Um, but honestly, if you think about it, we've played a short uh, hidden movement game when you played Jaws. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. I'm looking forward to this. This would have been my number one if I saw it. Because I was looking for information about Persona 5 and I found this. I was like, yeah. what? So I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to like get on Trick or Treat Studios uh, email list where I can get this information. And they don't so they're a whole thing. They're a whole thing. They're not just games, they do uh, yeah, masks, they do costumes, all sorts of, Yeah, no, we've seen them at, stuff, uh, yeah. we saw them at Gamma. Yeah. Because we were talking to your your boss at Gamma and I'm like, mm-hmm. no, a lot of this stuff is really good. And the fact that not only they're just doing yeah. Halloween style games or yes. retheming like I think they did a, a Richard Garfield and a Reiner a Reiner, uh, Reiner Knizia game. Zombie Mania is a Reiner turn them into horror themes but they're also taking classic games or pseudo classics because uh, they're taking Gold West yeah. and they're republishing them. I get uh, what some people are saying is like if Trick or Treat Studios are going to do something like that then they should just roll out kind of like a smaller studio right. uh, and do a different line. This way it doesn't tarnish Trick or Treat Studio. Right, exactly. But, oh man, this got this has got me really excited. Uh, no kidding. <laughs> well, we better end this before you start, like, you know, Googling more into it. Uh, by all means, if you want to join us on a live episode, like our friends Corrupt Senate, um, Illuminous, or Mario Fanatic earlier on, uh, we want to thank them for tuning in. You can join us on a live episode and join in on the conversation at twitch.tv slash everydayboardgames. 
As well as you can find all video re-uploads on YouTube at Everyday Board Games 2020. If you like what we do, there are three things you can do to help us grow on that platform. Subscribe if you're not. Like the video and comment down below and tell us your thoughts on the subject. As well as all audio versions can be found on most podcast platforms under Everyday Board Games Podcast. This includes Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and Podbean. If you want to, if you want to email us directly, whether it's just to say hi, tell Daniel how wrong he is, um, enter in a future contest, or anything as the above, ideas for future episodes, reach us at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com. And with that being said, I want to thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I've been your host, Daniel. And I've been your host, Daniel. And we want to thank you for listening to Everyday Board Games. And remember, every day is a good day for board gaming.